All right, let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, blessing to be back here. I believe that we were here in 2015, and uh, I, th- I think that's when you began to support us. And uh, um, cards and emails and just uh, it's been such a blessing to uh, to be partnered with you all, and we just appreciate your heart for mission so much as we serve the Lord there as an extension of your ministry uh, in another country. Um, this evening we'll be in Second Corinthians chapter four, and I want to look at a passage that was personal to the Apostle Paul as he preached the gospel and um, planted churches, did missionary work. Paul, of course, faced a lot of obstacles in his ministry. But he recognized it was a great privilege to serve the Lord. And Paul was called by God to do something. He preached for the Lord. And as he did that, he depended on God's help to do God's work. You know, in a similar, similar way, each one of us is called by the Lord to do something for him. And every one of us can do something to serve God. And we see that here in this chapter. But we also see that God helps us to do his work. He doesn't just ask us to do something, and then leave us to figure it out on our own. He helps us. And uh, so I want this to be a challenge and an encouragement to us this, this evening. Let's start reading in verse number 1, 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's open in a word of prayer tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, as we look into your word now, I pray that you would use this passage to challenge our hearts about what we can do for you, but also to encourage us with the mercy and the enabling uh, enablement that you give to us as we do your work. And I uh, just pray you bless us this evening as we look at these things. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing we see in this passage is that we must recognize our ministry. Recognize our ministry. Notice again in verse number one, it says we have this ministry. Now, Paul, of course, had a ministry as an apostle, as a church planter, uh, a missionary is what we would call him today. But God has given to every Christian a responsibility to serve him. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, God has a purpose for your life, and that is to do something for the Lord, to serve him, to serve others. The word ministry means to serve. And God has a ministry of some kind for every Christian. God has given every one of us different uh, unique abilities that we can use to serve the Lord. Some people may be gifted to teach to preach others might be gifted to uh, be gifted musically some are gifted to work with their hands and build things 
Others may be gifted to organize things uh, or to uh, they're, they're gifted to come up with ideas. Some people are gifted to have a, a special ministry of prayer. But the point is that every Christian can do something to serve God and serve others. None of those things is more important than the others um, because they're all ministry. Ministry is not just what the pastor does or a Sunday school teacher or a nursery worker or a missionary or someone else. But anything you do to serve the Lord is a ministry. Anything you do to show someone else the love of Christ is a ministry. Jesus said even a a cup of cold water given in the name of Christ is, is a way that we can serve the Lord. And even the simplest thing, if we do it for the Lord, it's in ministry. And uh, each one of us should use the time, the abilities, and the resources that God has given us to glorify Him, to serve Him, and to serve others. This ministry that we have, it began when we trusted Christ, but the we can continue in that ministry by the mercy of God. Notice again in verse number 1, it says, Seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. God gives us His mercy to help us keep going as we serve Him, so that we don't have to faint. This ministry, this uh, purpose for our life that God gives to us, comes with a divine enabling. And that's the mercy of God, the strength, the help that God gives. And we don't have to faint. God will help us to use our abilities for him. Um, We'll come back to that more a little bit later. But ministering and serving the Lord should not be viewed as a burden, but as a blessing. Yes, it is difficult sometimes. Yes, it is difficult to serve the Lord and serve others at times, but it is a privilege. It's an opportunity. We get to serve the King of Kings. We get to serve the Lord of Lords. We get to point people to Christ. We get to uh, live for the Lord, and we, we should have a positive attitude towards serving God because it's a blessing, it's a privilege. Um, each one of us must consider this question. How can I use my abilities to serve the Lord? How can I use my time to serve the Lord? How can I use my resources to serve the Lord? How can I use my life to serve the Lord? What can I do to impact someone else for Christ. God has a purpose for our life, and we must find that purpose and, and go fulfill it uh, and serve the Lord. And as we do that, we need God's mercy, God's help. If we're going to be involved in serving the Lord, we must first of all recognize our ministry because we can all have a ministry of some kind. Number two, we must reveal our message. Reveal our message. We know that we should serve the Lord, Um, And and so how can we serve God? Well, there are many different ways, as I mentioned earlier. But um, in this text, we find the primary way, the most important way, perhaps, of serving the Lord. And that is to reveal the message of the gospel. We must take the word of God and hold it up before a lost and dying world so they see Christ. In verse number two, there are two ways that we can reveal our message. It's through telling people the gospel, but it's also by living a godly testimony in front of the lost. Look at verse 2. It says, But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Now that simply means we should not take scriptures and twist them uh, to make them say what we want. And the implication is that we must be careful to speak the gospel 
truthfully. Um, it would be easy to twist the scriptures and say, God loves everyone. That is true. Sin doesn't matter. Anyone can get to heaven however you want. Now, a lot of people in our culture today, well, they, they think that way. Oh, I'm good enough. It uh, doesn't really matter what I do. God's going to let everyone in heaven someday. It sounds good. A lot of people believe that today, but it's not biblical. And so Paul says we've got to be careful to say what the Bible says and not try to make it say something else. Uh, the truth is, according to the Bible, everyone has sinned. Jesus came to die for our sin, and uh, he rose again, and he said, He that believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And we reveal the message of the gospel that Jesus died and rose again and we trust him by faith. We reveal that by how we speak, by how we talk, by how we interact with other people. And we must reveal the truth of the gospel to a lost and dying world. We do that by, how, by the things we say, but we also do that by how we live. Notice the end of verse number two says, not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation or showing of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We manifest the truth in our life. We show the truth or we hide it by how we live. The way that we live our life is a demonstration of the truth. Our testimony of Christian living reveals our message to others or our lack of Christian living hides the message from others. Paul's testimony of living for God was such that his life matched the Bible. Paul said in Acts chapter 26, Herein do I exercise myself. He said, I work at this, to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. He was careful about how he lived. He worked at having a good testimony. And we must be conscious of how people see us as Christians. We need to be a living example of, of Christ, a living example of the gospel. And we must not only speak the truth, but we need to live it out in our daily life. If there's no difference in the way that we live and the way that an unsaved person lives, an unsaved person will see no reason why they should listen to us communicating the gospel. Um, what we say we believe will not matter if we are not living consistently with the word of God. And so it's a vital thing. To, to not only speak the truth, but also to live according to the truth so that others see that it has made an impact in our heart and life. Um, both those things are necessary if we're going to reveal the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. It's often been said that your life might be the only Bible that an unsaved person will ever read. Well, your words might be the only witness for Christ that someone will ever hear. Your life might be the only testimony for Christ that someone will ever see. And people can come to Christ based on our testimony, or we can push people away from Christ because we're not living for the Lord. Our life every day can make a difference for God or uh, distract people from Him. Um, and so we've got to be so careful how we speak, how we communicate, but also how we live in the next few verses, we find out why we must reveal the message of the gospel. And it's because if we do nothing, the gospel is hidden from those who need it the most. Look at verse 3. It says, If our gospel be hid, 
It is hid to them that are lost. If we do not share the gospel verbally and also in our life and be a picture of the gospel, then it's hidden from the lost, hidden from people who need it the most. People who do not know Christ, they're not going to hear about it by watching the evening news. (laughs) They've got to hear the gospel from someone whose life has been transformed by the gospel. That's you. That's me. And we've got to not, we've got to make sure the gospel is not hidden in our life. Verse number four says, in whom, in, in lost people, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The Bible calls Satan the God of this world. The devil has great influence over the hearts and minds of unsaved people. Um, he, he blinds them, it says, distracts them from the truth. He tries to keep people in the dark. And he does this, it says, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. Satan does not want people to see the light. Jesus is the light of the world. But Satan wants to keep people in the dark. They don't want, he, he does not want people to see Christ. He does everything he can to prevent people from coming to the light. Satan might use a person who mocks God and distracts people from the gospel. He could use skeptical thinking to blind someone's mind to the truth. He could use an addiction to deaden their senses. And in Newfoundland, there's huge problems with addictions. Satan could use prosperity to make a person think they have everything they need. Um, They don't need God's help. He could use false teaching to deceive people's hearts from the truth. He could use a self-sufficient attitude to... To, to make someone think, I can get to heaven on my own. I'm a good enough person. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. He might use business or pleasure or philosophy or pride or any number of things to blind people and keep them away from Christ, keep them from trusting Christ as their Savior. He blinds people to the truth. He does not want people to see Christ. He does not want you and I to tell people about Christ either. And so he distracts us and tries to get us discouraged to, so that we are not shining as a light like we should. He does not want people to know that Jesus loves them. And he died for them. He rose again for them. And if they trust him, they will come to heaven for eternity. He wants to drag as many people down to hell as he possibly can. That is why we must reveal the message of the gospel. That is why we must recognize that every one of us can have a ministry of some kind. And we must represent Christ to the world and make sure the gospel is not hidden. If we fail to do that, the gospel is hidden. People continue to be deceived and they're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. We've got to make sure by the way that we speak, by the way that we act, by the way that we live, that we are a living reflection of Jesus Christ. Can people see Jesus in you? Can they see him in me? Can they see him in our words, in our actions, our reactions, our life? Can they see him? Do they see a difference in our life? Or is the gospel hidden because we're not living for him? Will the people around us remain blind and lost? Look at verse 5. It says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. 
Notice, first of all, it says we preach not ourselves. That means we don't promote ourselves. It's not about us. Uh, we don't serve the Lord to gain attention from other people. It's not, you know, people. some people have the idea that look at how spiritual I am because of what I do for God. That's, that's not what it's about. It says we preach not ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord. Does your life promote Christ? Or does your life take attention away from him and put the attention on yourself? Do your words and your actions point people to Christ? That should be the goal. We preach not ourselves, it says, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Paul was demonstrating his heart for service. He was willing to serve others as he served the Lord because serving others is advancing the cause of Christ. Serving others for Jesus' sake is serving the Lord. And when we use the abilities and the talents and our life that we have, that God has given to us, and we use those things to serve others, we are serving the Lord. We're showing God's love to others. Um, and we do it for His sake. Ministry and serving God, serving others, is all about Jesus Christ and others. It's not about us. Um, notice again in verse 5, it says, We do these things for Jesus' sake. That's the motivation. That's the driving force that should be behind everything that we do as a Christian for his sake. You know, Jesus has done some things for our sake. Second Corinthians, verse, Second Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And that's simply talking about how Jesus left the glories of heaven. He came down to this earth to to suffer and pay for our sin, die on the cross and rise again. It was for our sake so that we could be saved, so we could spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. Um, and what can we do for his sake to show our gratitude in return for his love? We can serve God. We can serve others. Serving uh, others is a way that we can show God's love and uh, reveal the message of the gospel. Um, last fall, in October, I think it was, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a woman in our church and her brother has been living in Ontario, the Toronto area, for many years. He decided to move back to Newfoundland. And so he was driving back with a, a vehicle and a trailer. He got all the way across Canada to the East Coast, went across the ferry to Newfoundland, and he got off the ferry, drove about an hour, and his vehicle broke down. And it was, it was broken down. He couldn't fix it. So um, the lady in our church, she called me and said, my brother's stranded on the other side of the island. Um, is there any way you can help him? And he was about eight hours away. And I really didn't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I felt... I, I, I really believed that God wanted me to do it, even though I didn't want to do it. So it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I think, and I got in my vehicle and I drove across the island, got there at 10 o'clock or 9 or 10 o'clock, slept overnight, got up real early the next morning, met him, hooked his trailer up to my truck and loaded him and his wife up and all their things out of their vehicle, put it all in my vehicle. He left his vehicle. He called the tow truck company, said, come get it, it's yours. And then we set off back to where we live, eight hours back. But you know what? I had a good conversation with him. I um, was able to talk to him about if he was saved and uh, talk about his family because they all live in our area, things like that. And 
You know, God used that as an opportunity to minister to him and his family. I believe that he is saved. He gave me a, a, a testimony of salvation. And, you know, I, I invited him to church, of course. Now, his sister, two of his sisters go to our church, they're members. And I really hope to see him the next Sunday after doing all that for him, driving 16 hours. Amen. And uh, he didn't show up. <laughs> he didn't show up the next week. He didn't show up for about three or four months. One day he walked in through the door. <laughs> and, you know, it was that moment I realized, you know, we might not always see what God is doing when we do what he asks us to, but God can use it in some way. And that man, he's been, uh, he's got some health issues, and so he's not able to be at church all the time, but he's been pretty faithful at, on Sunday mornings for the last number of months. And I tell you that to simply say that when we do something for someone else, it's an opportunity to show God's love, even when we may not really want to do it like driving 16 hours. But it's an opportunity to show God's love to someone else and have a chance to impact them for Christ. Anything we do for the right reason, it, God can use it. And God can work in people's hearts and lives. And God's been working in his heart and life and his wife's heart. Why should we do these things? It's because God has a purpose for our life, and that is to minister to others. That's to serve God. That is to, uh, the purpose is to reveal the message of the gospel so that it's not hidden. Verse number 6 tells us a little bit more about why we do this. It says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The God who created the world, it says, shined the light of the gospel into our hearts when someone told us, about Christ. He gave us an opportunity to trust him. And when we accepted the gospel, he saved us. We have the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in us. And we are to be reflecting that light and uh, shining that light into this dark and dying world all around us. That is why we have a ministry of some kind. That is why we have a message to reveal the gospel, the good news that Jesus saves it's because he saved us. We must recognize our ministry, reveal our message to a world that needs Christ. But as we do that, we must rely on God's mercy. Rely on God's mercy. We need God's mercy to enable us as we preach the message, as we do the ministry. Notice again in verse number one, it says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We need God's help to faithfully serve him and proclaim the gospel. We can't do it on our own. We can try. We can try to live the Christian life on our own without God's help. We can try to serve God and others on our own without God's help. We can try to uh, represent Christ and tell people about Christ without God's help, but it's not really effective. So he gives us his mercy, his help, his Holy Spirit, His strength, His guidance, His wisdom. God doesn't ask us to do something and then abandon us and expect us to figure it out on our own. He gives us His mercy, and we have to learn to rely on His mercy. God's mercy helps us to keep living for Him even when it's difficult. God's mercy helps us to keep serving Him even when it's difficult. When the ministry that we have is hard, and when people don't want to listen to the message 
We need God's mercy. Human effort, our own strength, our own determination only gets us so far. But God's grace and His mercy gives us the ability and the strength to keep on going for the Lord. You know, it's only by the grace and the enablement of the Holy Spirit in us that we can serve God and others. It's not always easy. It's not always easy to serve the Lord or serve others when we've had a very busy, difficult week. We don't always feel like serving the Lord when we're facing a difficult situation in our personal life. But we can be faithful in service and faithful in living for God and ministering to others because of His mercy, because of His grace. We have received mercy, it says, so we faint not. We don't give in. We don't lose heart. The rest of this chapter talks about how Paul was able to serve the Lord for a lifetime, and it was because of God's mercy. It wasn't because of Paul's determination or his abilities or his own strength or anything like that. It was God's mercy. Look at verse number 7. It says, But we have this treasure, that's the treasure of the gospel, in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, that simply says that we have the treasure of the gospel in ourself, earthen vessels, flawed, broken people that we are. Uh, and God has given us the privilege of doing something for him, even though we are not perfect. And if we let God use us to take the gospel to others, the excellency of his power is seen and not ourselves. Verse number eight talks about the problems that Paul faced. It says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. In Paul's experience, he endured a lot of problems, uh, a lot of difficulties, but it was God's mercy that kept him going through all of it. That's why he could say, we're troubled, but we're not distressed. We're perplexed. We don't know what to do, but we're not in despair. We're not giving up. We're persecuted, but God hasn't given up on us. He hasn't forsaken us. We might be cast down, but not destroyed because of God's mercy. God's mercy kept him going. The message of the gospel had to be preached. The, uh, the ministry had to be completed, and it was God's mercy that carried him through. How did Paul rely on God's mercy? We're going to skip down to verse number 16, and we see how, God, how God's mercy helped Paul. It says in verse 16, for, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now, it says for which cause. What is the cause? It's the sake of the gospel and God's glory. He said for this cause we faint not, and that means we don't lose heart. We don't give up. We don't give in. And it wasn't because of his determination to not give up. It was because of God's mercy. Um, he, he did not faint and lose heart because of the mercy of God that helped him through those difficult times of ministry. He said, our outward man perish. The problems that he faced externally, the persecutions, the difficulties, the, um, uh, the, the, the beatings and, and being run out of town, those were real problems. He said it feels sometimes like our outward man is perishing. Those difficulties were real. Physical problems. Uh, they caused emotional pain, mental distress. They took their toll on him, but he said, I'm not going to lose heart. I'm not going to faint. 
Even though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. What does the renewing of the inward man? It's the mercy of God, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the strength that God gives. Paul learned to live by faith one day at a time. Every day might have brought a new persecution, a new trouble, a new difficulty, but every day also brought a new supply of God's grace and God's help. You know, the Bible says um, His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And isn't that true? Um, Paul learned to draw his strength from the Holy Spirit, from the mercy of God, from His help. As he fulfilled the ministry God gave him, he relied on God's mercy. As he preached the message of the gospel, he relied on God's mercy. God's mercy was new every morning. Uh, He waited on the Lord and his strength was renewed like the eagle. And so Paul could sing in the middle of the night as he was in prison because of God's mercy. He could get back up and keep preaching after being mobbed, stoned, left for dead. He could keep going from place to place preaching the gospel even after the angry crowds ran him out of town because of God's mercy, he could deal with the daily problems and not lose heart and not faint because of God's mercy. That's the same way that you and I can face the circumstances of life and not faint, not lose heart, not give up, not give in. God's mercy. That's how we can serve God and serve others and not give up and not faint because of God's mercy. Mercy, because the inward man is renewed day by day. Paul learned to depend on the mercy of God, the help of God. Yes, the difficulties were still there as he served the Lord, but he learned to focus on the Lord instead of focusing on the problems. Look at verse number 17. It shows us a spiritual outlook. It says, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal Weight of glory. Notice the contrast in that verse. Light affliction. All the things that Paul went through. That is a contradiction. He called them a light affliction. And they're but for a moment. And and the, the problems that he faced were far beyond the things that we have probably faced. But he said they're just a light affliction. They're just temporary. They're just for a moment. The problem works. The problems worked against him. But he said they're just temporary. But the glory of heaven is eternal and the blessings exceed the problems that we face now. You know, he he compares the light affliction and the eternal weight of glory. If you put the light afflictions of life on one side of a scale and the eternal weight of glory and God's blessings and God's help on the other side of the scale, there's just, there's no comparison, Paul said. There's no comparison. When we measure our problems in comparison to eternity, The problems are insignificant when we look at it from a spiritual point of view. That's how we can view life when our inner man is renewed by the mercy of God. Verse 18 adds to this perspective. It says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. They're just temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. The things that are seen, the earthly, physical, problems, the difficulties around us. But Paul, said, Paul learned to stop looking at those things because those things were just temporary. And by faith, he learned to look beyond the problems and look at the Lord who was in control of the problems. 
just a few verses later in chapter 5 and verse number 7, Paul said, we walk by faith, not by sight. You know, if we, if we go through our life looking at the problems around us, we're walking by sight instead of by faith. But if we can learn like Paul did to look at the Lord, we can walk by faith and not by sight. Paul could continue in a lifetime of ministry because of God's mercy. Uh, he could continue and keep on revealing the message of the gospel because of God's mercy. Because he renewed the inward man day by day. You know, the day in which we live is no friend to Christianity. It's getting worse and worse. And Canada is actually a few years ahead of the United States in being progressive and all of those things. And it's not always easy to live for the Lord. Time is short. And Jesus is coming soon. He said he could come at any moment. But until he comes, there are more than eight billion people alive today. I I can't even understand a number that big. (laughs) Eight billion people alive today, and they need to hear the gospel. Some of them live right here in your town. Some of them live in my town where I live in Newfoundland. And if we are going to do something to help reach them, even to just try to reach one person, we've got to recognize our ministry. We've got to realize that God has given to every one of us that knows Christ as our Savior, He's given us a purpose, a ministry, an opportunity of some kind to serve someone else and show them God's love. Because there's a whole world that needs to hear the gospel. And so we ought to be looking for what we can do every day to minister and serve God and serve others. As we do that, we must also reveal the message. God's given us the best news in the world, the, the, the fact that Jesus saves the gospel. And if we don't proclaim that to others, the gospel is hidden from those who are lost because Satan blinds them. That message is part of the ministry. The ministry gives us a foot in the door. If we do something for someone, it gives us a foot in the door to share the message more easily. But that's got to be proclaimed to the world. But as we do the ministry, as we take the message, we can't do it on our own. So God gives us his mercy, and we must rely on his mercy. It is God who enables what we do. We don't have to faint in this great work. If we try to do it on our own, we will give up. We will faint We will get discouraged and quit, but we must be renewed, strengthened by the mercy of God. Paul's life was full of constant problems, persecutions, a thorn in the flesh, um, difficulties as he tried to spread the gospel. His outward man was perishing, but he would not faint because of the mercy of God. He wouldn't quit. He wouldn't lose heart because of God's mercy. I can tell you there have been many times on the mission field when we felt worn down and faint, exhausted. But what helps us to keep going for the Lord is not just willpower, determination to do something. It's God's mercy, God's strength, God's help. He promises to be an unfailing resource of His power to those who trust Him. Maybe today you realize there's something more that you can do to serve the Lord. Everyone can do something, even a simple thing, to show God's love to someone else. Maybe, maybe you're a young person here or, or any age of a person and God has put his calling on your life to, to serve him full time. And that would be an amazing thing. 
because it's such a privilege to serve the Lord. But even if that's not the case to, to be in full-time ministry, everyone can do something to serve God. God has a ministry and a message for each one of us to share with others. And we, uh, we've got to do that. Maybe you've been serving the Lord for many years and you've grown weary and well-doing. God's mercy is still there. It's there every day. And we just have to learn to rely on it because he gives us his help, his grace, his strength. Maybe you have a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a family member, and the gospel is hidden to them and they've been blinded. And maybe you need to share the love of Christ with them. Rely on God's mercy because God's mercy will give you the courage to do that. God's mercy will give you the, the, the words to say and give you God's help as you try to share Christ with them. God can use every one of us to point other people to Christ. We've got to be willing to let God use us. Let's close in a word of prayer this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this chapter. And Lord, it's a challenge and an encouragement at the same time. And Lord, it is a challenge to do something for you. It's a challenge to uh, be open, to allow you to use us in some way to show your love to someone else. And Lord, each one of us can find even something simple, a simple way to do that uh, with our friends and our neighbors and coworkers or whoever it may be. We can find a simple way to do something for someone else as an opportunity to show show them God's love. Lord, we have this great message that you've given us that, that Jesus saves and that we can spend eternity in heaven. And Lord, that message has to be shared with the world. And I pray you'd help us understand the importance of that. But Lord, most of all, as we serve you, as we try to live for you, help us to remember to trust in your help and your mercy. Because we cannot do this great work on our own. And I pray that you'd help us to to learn to renew our inward man and to uh, trust in your mercy and your strength because you freely offer it to us. It's there, it's available. And I pray you'd help us to, to take advantage of the help that you give us to do this great work. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you for the privilege it is to serve you. I pray you'd help us all to look for more ways that we can serve you and represent you to a lost and dying world. Bless us now as we close. In Jesus' name, amen.